0: Alright, good morning. Uh, as the ushers are finishing up, I'm just going to rearrange some furniture. If uh, you have a teenager in the building, in our youth group, who's come to hang out with us, you may have got an email that reads similarly familiar, I guess. Is that kind of yeah, similar, familiar, same thing, uh, to what's up on the screen today? And uh, the reason being is we're going to talk about our Wednesday night discussion this morning. And I, I was going to try it with the podium. It's not going to work. Got to move it. It's like an anchor. Like, I feel like I have to stand there and I would just, it wouldn't work. So um, Pastor John is away and, and he asked if I would uh, be able to put something together. And I said, you know, I got a great idea. I said, what if I took my Wednesday night and we did it on Sunday just to... Uh, kind of not just for the teens sake but for the parents and some of the other folks who are kind of wondering hey what's going on with youth group just to give you a little bit of a taste of what we talk about on Wednesday nights and we just started this new study called vivid it's a six week study through the book of James and the goal is to understand what in our life impacts us that keeps us from living this vivid faith and I thought about this title and the series As I was kind of going through my TV one day and I was explaining it to the kids. I have a, a it's not a super big TV, some of you have seen it, uh, but you go into the menu and you can change the settings and there's a screen setting you can change and you click onto it and there's a cinema setting and it makes everything kind of dim and it looks like a movie theater I guess, I don't know. And then there's a custom setting. You put it on custom, and you can change the tint and the hue and the contrast, and you can do what you want with it. Then there's like the normal factory setting, but then there's this vivid setting. And you click on it, and everything is bright. The green's brighter. the red. I mean, everything just pops. And it's like this different experience in watching TV. And I thought, what if we could figure out how to turn that option on in our spiritual lives? How can we turn that on in our personal lives? How can we make our everyday life more vivid for Christ? So uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hanging out in the book of James, and that's where we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning. And I- I- I'm really going to try to do this much like I do the teenagers. So if some of you are like, eh, it seems kind of elementary, it seems kind of, hey, it's okay. Just try to key in, take what you can from it. This is, like I said, like, like a little bit of a snapshot of what we are doing with your kids, your teenagers um, on Wednesday nights, and we're having some fun with them. So one of the things, the very first thing that we have to figure out, and I tell the kids this all the time, in, in figuring out how we go from one step to the next and we move in our spiritual lives, there's one constant thing, apart from the power that Christ is pouring into us, that we're always going to face. Or we're always going to fight it. And it's always going to be there. It's always going to be a part of our life. It's always going to be on the inside. Sometimes it's going to manifest itself in our outward appearance, but it's always going to be there. And that's this, this three little word, three little lettered word called sin. And so many times we kind of dance around it and we just go like we've talked about change. We've talked about brokenness. We've talked about embracing it. We've talked about how do we get from one step to the next. It all kind of comes to a head at first. The very first thing we have to do is realize that this is a real thing. It's a real weight. It's something that will always continually try to fight within us to push us backwards. We measure our growth and how we combat sin. You can see this in your kids' lives. You can see it in your life. You can see it in your spouse, your fiancé. For those who have fiancés in here, that's just one right now. But, But we see this in our own lives, and this is our measuring stick. And I have a quote with you that I want to share, and this is what it says. It says, He that wishes to attain right views about Christian holiness must begin by examining the vast and solemn subject of sin. He must dig down very low if he would build high. A mistake here is most mischievous. Wrong views about holiness are generally traceable to wrong views about human corruption. Misunderstanding our sin causes us to misunderstand God. Not just His holiness and His righteousness and His justice, but His love and His grace and His mercy. So we kind of got to hit rewind and go back, and we got to dig into this subject a little bit and say, hey, here's the reality of it. Here's what it does to your life. Here's some steps to overcome it. This is what it says. The plain truth is that a right knowledge of sin lies at the root of all saving Christianity. I got this from a book that Pastor Halko let me borrow. Uh, J.C. Riley is the original quote, but it's, a, it's observed in uh, The Christian Life, which is an interesting book. It's a practical book on doctrine and how the practical doctrines of things like sin and justification impact us on an everyday basis. So today, as we kind of move through it, there's a couple of things that I want to accomplish. And one of them is to identify the internal struggle with sin. And we want to commit to fight against it. This is what we tell your kids. You got to fight against this. This isn't something that you can just give into. And then to develop a correct view of sin and its impact. So if you have your Bibles with me this morning, I'm going to ask that you turn to the book of James. We're going to be in chapter one for a little bit. We're going to read some verses, then we're going to pray. And we're gonna jump right into it and um we'll we'll get out of here soon-ish. My uh my wife has junior church today, so she said, if you could keep it to like a half hour. <laughs> I said, What if I ever kept anything to a half hour? You're lucky if I get out of here in an hour. So no, we'll be we'll be respectful of that. So James chapter one, if you have it in your Bibles, we're gonna look at verses twelve through seventeen. This one says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for who You are. God, we thank You for what You've done for us. Lord, I just pray that You help me to speak clearly as we get into Your Word. Lord, let this be a time for us to kind of look back into our lives. Uh, Some of the things we've talked about is experiencing your grace and understanding change and and how we can be conformed to your image. Lord, we need to start at the beginning sometimes and realize that we're our own worst enemy. Lord, it's this sin that we battle every day. And sometimes we're afraid to put a name to it. We just accept it as who we are. We just accept it as our brokenness. But Lord, if we want to change, if we want to be like you, if we want to conform to your image, this is where it begins. Lord, help us this morning as we read into your word, help us to see where we can make changes and adjustments in our own lives. Or we ask that you uh, be with us this morning as we commit this time into your hand through the name of your Son. Amen. So James, in these passages, describes for us how sin works, what it does and how it impacts our lives. Some of the themes that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, we did a little mini kind of theology study where we kind of broke down what it means, the nature of God, his characteristics, his moral attributes, who he is, what he is, how it all kind of fits together, and how each of those things impact our life. So this is kind of where we find ourselves to be, and where we start off is understanding we know the omnis, right? God is omnipresent, he's omniscient, we get all that, he's all-powerful. We're going to work today off of the assumption that everybody already knows what that means, because I don't have the time to go back into that. So God's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's everlasting. From that, we can build these fancy if-and-then statements, if God knows everything, he knows what I'm struggling with. He knows how to help me. He knows where I'm falling. He knows A, B, and C. Like We, we can build those. And then when we look at His uh, moral attributes, the things that He is that are His character, His righteousness, His holiness, His requirement for justice, His love, His nature, things that make God who He is by His, his understanding of, of who we are and how we experience Him. And these are the things that He pours out into us. And again, we're going to work with the assumption that everybody in here knows all that because we don't have time to unpack all that. If you don't, and you're like, hey, what's, uh, uh, set up, hey, come talk with us. Come find time to say, what is, what you, when you say God is love, what's it mean? You say God requires justice. What does that mean? Because the way I see the world, there's really justice nowhere, right? So come talk to us. We can sort that out. So what's important to remember in this uh, study as we get started, is, is James lets us know right at the beginning where this problem comes from. It doesn't come from God. Temptation is not a God thing. And somebody asked this question, well, what's the difference between a test, testing, and temptation? Temptation is never, ever going to impact your spiritual life in a positive way by giving into it. Never. When we talk about how does God test us, is it the same? God tests us in ways that are going to push us in our relationship with Him in the right way we're going to find ourselves relying on his peace we're going to find ourselves relying on his strength think of this god tested abraham he said pack up everything that you have and go i'm just going to tell you where to go and later on he says take your son go sacrifice him those are tests there's no sin in there there's no temptation to sin it's will you obey god or will you not temptation is that desire that sits inside of us that says does God really mean what he says? I mean, is that really, right? I mean, did God really say? Is that really what he meant? Do you really think he expects you to live up to all this stuff in this book? I can tell you, if you've ever had those feelings or thoughts, those are not from God. God's not going to make you think and say, "God, yeah, I really uh, I'm going to question everything that you have to say. I don't believe you. You're a liar." That's not that's that battle within us. James tells us that uh, evil desires, evil desires pop up into our head, and we're going to talk about these each in a minute. They conceive, they give birth. This this whole idea of of sin and these evil desires, and then thinking about it, it takes action. It's a deliberate action. And I tell the kids, listen, here's what you have to understand. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. I want to steal a candy bar. I'm tempted to steal a candy bar. Okay. That doesn't, that doesn't equal sin. That means you have this desire that's inside of you that is battling against the spirit saying, don't steal the candy bar. Bad idea temptation requires action for us for it to commit to be turned into sin and that's where the trouble comes because once we start taking these actions and we tell the kids this i told them this wednesday night that you have to think about it we are tempted by it our evil desires pop up it's something that drives us and says man i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about committing this action i'm thinking about committing this action the more we think about committing that action the less likely we are to not commit that action does that make sense You think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. And it's just like, well, I might as well do it. And on the flip side of that, the more we do it, the less we're going to think about it the next time. We're just going to be more inclined to do it. It's this battle that's continually raging inside of us. And uh, I actually wrote down something that your daughter said because it fit perfectly. This battle is constant. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when you're 36 and a youth pastor. It doesn't stop when you're Ben's age leading worship. Look, 43, 44, somewhere around there. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. I was going with 45. All right, yeah. It doesn't stop. It's constant. It's continual. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter, hey, I grew up in church. You know, my dad's a pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. I'm like sixth generation ministry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't stop. It doesn't change. And the approach of temptation and what the devil uses in our lives does not change. It's a constant. Part of that constant is death. As James tells us, when sin is conceived, it goes its course. When it's done, it brings death. Paul tells us, for the wages of sin is death. There's a great but in that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life. And this is what I mean when I say if you don't have an understanding of what sin is, you don't have an understanding of what but the gift of God is eternal life means. Because if sin is just, eh, it's just a thing. Well, if if, if the Bible says that the result of our sin is death, it's this eternal separation from God. It's this limited power that as a Christian you have. It will equal death. It will bring death. It will bring death. That's what it says. Death. I I don't want it. I want a life that's going to be empowered by the Spirit. I, I want it to be vivid. Am I going to struggle? Yeah. Am I going to fail? Yeah. Do I feel like sometimes when I get up and I get dressed and I walk into these doors that I'm a fraud? Yeah. Can I tell you something? You probably do too. Yeah. I'm not anything special because I work with teens and I teach... Listen, you could tell her. I don't know if there's truer words. It will be a constant in your life. So it's important to understand where it comes from, how it impacts me, and how do I overcome it? How can I get past this? First Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So this is the command that God's given us. And Ryan, if you could hit the video, we're gonna. This is part of what we do on Wednesdays, so we'll just let you guys enjoy it too. Oh, can you click on the middle of the slide? Usually, you have to click in the middle of it. All right, it's not cooperating. That's okay. We are good. I will explain to you what the video is, all right? So the video is just a gentleman who's standing in a gymnasium, and he's got two basketballs. One is flat, and he takes the basketball, and he drops it, and guess what happens? Boom, and just sits there. And then he encourages us, listen, the purpose of this is to be filled with something that's going to empower it to do its job. Get it? So the purpose of pop- pumping air into a basketball is to make it bounce. It's filled with something. Something has consumed all that negative space. And because of that, it's able to fulfill its purpose. Much like be holy for God is holy. Be set apart with a purpose Because you have something to do with your walk, whether it's with your family, whether you have a ministry. We all have something that we have in our lives that is ministry related. You don't just have to be on staff here at Harmony or another church if you're visiting today. You've all been called to this lifestyle. We've all been called to be holy. We've all been called to follow and to submit to what God has for us. Verse 12. I love this word. Verse 12 says, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Perseveres. And I read this and I think, man, what an awesome concept to this battle of sin. Because if sin is always going to be constant, we have to persevere. We have to be resilient. We have to be willing to battle. And when we talked on Wednesday night, nobody got this. So we'll try it again because some of you are my age who remembers the never ending story yes awesome great this will work the kids were like what like the dragon with fur like what? so yeah we have a hero right and this is this guy who's on this quest and this is a picture of resilience And no matter what he faces, he continues through. Even to the point where he ends up in the nasty swamp and his horse dies and then gets sneezed on by a turtle. And he just continues and he continues and he continues. He perseveres. He is resilient. He's not giving up. That's the language that James uses. Persevere. Don't give up. These next two verses we're going to look at, 14 and 15 again. These next two verses... James is going to explain the principle again about temptation, sin, where it comes from in our lives. Now, you see a triangle up on the screen. Um, I could not figure out how to draw a triangle to, into the bulletin space, so hopefully there's a little bit of room for you to add a little triangle, and we'll fill it in together, and then I'm going to encourage you at the end uh, the same way we did with the teenagers on Wednesday with your own thoughts and stuff. So let's look at verse 14 again. Verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. We are tempted. We are carried away. We are enticed by our, 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 your evil desires. Your desires are your desires, mine are mine, his are his, hers are hers. Some are similar, some are not the same. Some have to do with pride, some have to do with rebellion, some have to do with filth, some have to, you fill in the blank, I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. But we all have this inside of us. And this is what James tells us. They drag us away, they pull us away. And this one worked. Who's, you remember Tom and Jerry, right? My kids love it, which I'm I'm totally okay with because I'd rather them watch that than some of the other stuff that's out there. But, you know, and it's not because I'm like staunchly against it, I just think it's stupid. So um, like if, if you watch some cartoons, I don't, it's cool, I don't care. I just for me, I don't know, I don't get into it. But you see like there's uh Jerry who's sleeping in his little mouse hole and uh the lady of the house makes a pie and she sets it on the table and it starts to the smoke or the this, the steam wafts up and it goes floating through the house and it goes under his nose and he shakes up out of bed and He goes floating towards the pie. He's like, "Yeah, cherry pie, woo! Or apple, if that's your flavor of choice, I don't know. But he gets there, and what's he do? Woo! And he, like, dives right in. That's what James is saying. We are enticed. We are carried away. We have this inclination that's already built inside of us to do wrong. That's what it is. I have an 8-year-old and I have a 5-year-old. I can't remember specifically what the day was, but I do remember the first time my daughter lied to me. Taryn, she ate a bunch of cookies. She was told not to eat the cookies, but she ate the cookies. It's not a big deal, right? It's cookies. Hey, Taryn, honey, did you eat the cookies? No. Are you sure I didn't eat the cookies? Now, she's got chocolate around her mouth. (laughs) She's got cookie crumbs on her shirt. She, Yeah. She's got like the chocolate cookie in her teeth. You know, and I'm like, are you sure you didn't eat the cookies? No. Who ate the cookies? Aunt Crystal. <laughs> now, I didn't have to teach her that. Why? It's inside of her already. Now, this is before she's able to really key in on TV and understand. Maybe she was like three, four, two and a half. I don't know. She's just figuring life out. I didn't have to teach her to lie. I didn't have to set that precedent. She just, it's inside of her. Taryn, did you eat the cookies? No. We deny this. It's kinda of like eh, it's not me. It's it's inside of us. The word entice here it means to gratify, it means to satisfy, to lure, and it ends in defrauding. It defrauds who we are as children of God and in our character and in our integrity and in our ability to pursue holiness. It carries us away. It entices us. That leads to this word temptation. Evil desires, temptation, thinking about it. Now I want to get a little bit closer to it. And then it smells a little bit better. Now it looks a little bit better. Now no one over there is going to know because they're not even watching. These are the desires this, if we allow temptation to go unchecked and to get out of control, we give into it. And that's where sin really starts to get that foothold in our lives. Again, it's not the temptation. The, the pie on the table, the chocolate cake, the whatever it is, that's not the temptation. The feeling of, of striking out in anger, the feeling of being, that's not, that's not the sin. God expects that from us because we're not perfect. And it's in our nature to say, I'm going to stand as opposed. To I was. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet and still sinners, we were enemies of God and we're still, there's parts of us that are enemies with God. When we give in to that temptation, this is when it becomes sin. Temptation acted upon becomes sin. And again, we write it back the more I think about it, the more likely I am to do it. That doesn't necessarily mean that every time I think about it, I'm going to do it. What it means is, I'm going to think about it, I'm going to think about it, I'm going to get closer to it, I'm going to get closer to it. Maybe you stop, maybe something reels you back in. Maybe someone says, hey, what are you doing over there? Nothing, I was just, you know, there's a pie, it was a thing, I just, but I didn't touch it, I promise. But that doesn't always happen, does it? So, yeah. Sometimes we think about it and think about it, and something clicks in our head and goes, you know what, I I shouldn't do that. This isn't right. I need to stop. Temptation gives birth to actions. It brings sin. Sin ultimately results in death. Sometimes it results in physical death. The question was asked last week, does my sin always result in physical something or other? Sickness, pain, suffering. Uh, I know Pastor John briefly mentioned it and answered it. The answer to that is yes and no. If I want to be promiscuous and I want to behave in a way that's going to be reckless and immoral and I contract some type of disease, guess what? That's a physical punishment for my sin. And it happens. If I go out to a party and I get ridiculously drunk and I get behind the wheel of my car and I wrap it around a tree and I lose my leg, guess what? That is an immediate physical punishment for my sin. It happens. What happens more often than not, though, is the spiritual death that we experience. Even if we're reborn, and even if we're alive in Christ, and even if that power is within us, the more we push towards sin, the more it becomes part of our nature, the more we close ourselves off to what the Spirit can do in our life. The, the, the harder it makes that Spirit say, hey, stop what you're doing. Don't do that. Don't, do, your parents, hey, don't do this. Shut up, mom. Shut up, dad. I don't have to listen to you. Spiritual death. Part of being a new creature, this new creation in Christ, is this new life. And having this new life gives us this power to overcome sin. To overcome temptation. It's being dedicated to follow the will of God. In your life which is another thing that we talked about what's god's will for my life read the book of john first and foremost it's to accept him and to trust him to be delivered from death and to be given this new life well what comes next to be conformed and pressed into this mold of christ to become more like christ every day to figure out what that means well here's a good spot to start how do i be more like christ how about sin a little bit less each day start there some people are like, well, I, I can't be perfect. I can't, you know, I've got all this filth in my life. Okay, that's fine. Pick one thing. Pick one thing today to commit to to say, you know what? I'm not going to let my anger have a hold of me anymore. I'm not going to let my pride have a hold of me anymore. I'm not going to let my rebellion. I'm not going to let drugs. I'm not going to let alcohol. I'm not going to let sex. I'm not going to let filth. I'm not going to let vulgarities. I'm, I'm going to make a stance and say, this I will give up. And guess what? Then you'll go, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? Why? Because you want to talk about an awesome addiction? Get addicted to the Spirit working in your life. Isn't what Paul tells us? Don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk on the Holy Spirit, man. Let that consume you. Let that empower you. Let that lead you. That's powerful living. True followers of Christ, we seek... To be liberated from sin. I need Teddy to come up here for a second. Connor's not in here. I was going to use Connor, but he's not here today. Can I steal this chair for just a second? Yeah. I'm so sorry. So, Teddy's going to be my friend. How you doing, Teddy? Good. Me and Teddy are uh, pretty similar in size. So this isn't going to work for me. <laughs> right? He's a little bit bigger. I'm going to represent sin. Well, I was, but I'm going to change it up on you. You didn't know that yet. All right. All right. So Teddy is a believer. Xander, can I borrow you for a second? Xander's gonna be my, my friend. Because here's the difference. Come here, Xander. Xander, you're gonna represent sin for me, all right? Now we look at this and we go, This is no contest. A street fight to end all street fights. Xander versus Teddy. Xander, here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to sit in the chair. Because this is all sin has to do. Go ahead, Teddy. Put your feet up on him. Go ahead. That's it. Do you see that? How willingly Teddy was to just get down and let Xander put his feet up on him. This is what we do every day. We let that sin take and control us. It's something that has no power in our life. Something that we would look at and we would say, this is absolutely ridiculous. But yet, here we are like Teddy on our hands and knees letting sin say, I own you. I own every piece of you and I love it. That's what that means. All right, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's look at some verses in Romans. It says, that means, if you're wondering where this is coming from, this is coming from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. These are some fun verses. This is from the message. It says, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. It doesn't get a vote. It doesn't matter. You don't say what I do. You don't impact me. I don't listen. I have two kids. I say, honey, what do you want for dinner? I want steak. I want steak. I want chicken nuggets. Nope. (laughs) They don't have a vote. That's what this looks like. Don't give it the time of day. I love it. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even entertain it. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead. Remember, you've been taken up off your hands and your knees. Sin has been put down in its place. You have been delivered into God's way of doing things. Here's the caveat. You can't do it your way. You have been delivered into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Man, that's pretty awesome stuff. What's pretty awesome is at the end of verse... 17 this is what james says i'm back in james now it says every good thing given in every perfect gift is from coming is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows you know it's also awesome a part of this verse is in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 it says there's No temptation. There's no temptation. Listen, there's no temptation that you face that God has not already provided a way of escape. You have been delivered into God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things sometimes means it smells great, but it's not right. I was talking about this with some of the classmates. I think it may have been Rayna's class with the juniors talking about like a pig that returns to the mud and gets all filthy again, just like a dog that returns to its vomit. That's how we are. And the kids were like, oh, that's so disgusting. I'm like, yeah, it's in the Bible. Isn't that really cool? But do you, do you get that? I had a dog that threw up probably because she ate things she wasn't supposed to. My wife, I, real quick, because I've got a little bit of time, I'm doing really well today. I'm staying focused. I'm, I'm, this is awesome. But i got to tell you this, right? So my wife uh, went to Pensacola one year and they went to this alligator farm. She got this alligator head. It's a legit alligator head. It's preserved, sharp teeth and everything. Uh, I used to take it to work with me and hide it in my coworkers desk and they pull it out. Ah, oh, phenomenal idea. Uh, one day we were gone for a little bit longer and my dog i had a German shepherd at the time. She ate it, all of it, all but the marbles. The eyeball marbles, the the teeth, the the skin, the, I mean, it was, we walked in the house and I said, why, who was playing with marbles in the bedroom? And Ashley said, we we don't have marbles. I was like, girls, did you lose your marbles? Like, what's going on? And then, you know, I came downstairs and there's my dog, And all of it came out, man. And I was like, Remy, are you serious? And it was nasty, And in the amount of time it took me to go get a bag and a paper towel and some bleach or whatever, I got back, guess what? It was gone. Do you know what it said to her? Mm, Steak dinner. Do you know what your sin says to you, Eric? Steak dinner. Steak dinner. Do you know what it really is? Vomit. It's disgusting. But that's what we do. Hey, you've been delivered into God's way of doing things let that take hold in your life this is what uh, Romans I didn't put these verses up on the screen I'm actually going to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to these verses we're going to look at three passages of scripture this is uh, in your note section I think this says Paul's problem right is that what it says so here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 7 verses 14 through 25 and I'll read it If you're there, awesome, follow along. If not, just kind of key in here. This is what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Do you see where this is going? This is pretty awesome. But, if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law confessing that the law is good, so now no longer am I the one doing good, uh, so not sorry, the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, for the willing person for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. A couple of weeks back, here's here. See, do the willingness is there? Paul says, "I'm willing, I'm willing," but the doing, eh, sometimes not so much. Who can relate to this? I can. I, I'm sure you can too. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. I love that. I love your word, God. I love it. It's in my heart. But. But I see a different law in the members of my body. I love it. I love to read. I love to pray. I love to have this relationship. But there's this war that is raging inside of me. In my members, in my flesh, in my hands, in my feet, every part of me that is not consumed with the spirit. Every part that is just allowed to run unchecked. Yeah, we love it. We love God. But who's in control? I see a different law in the inner, I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. Which is in my members. I am willingly bowing down to the law of sin and letting it put its feet on my back and I stay there because I'm a knucklehead. That's what he says. When he says, Wretched man that I am, he says, I'm a knucklehead. That's what he says. I don't know if that that's not the actual translation. Don't don't be like, hey, is that really in the Greek? It's not. <clears throat> Hey, can I ask you a question? When was the last time we actually looked at our sin and our brokenness and looked at what was really in turmoil inside of us and said, what a wretched, filthy man. Instead, right, Ben, we've talked about this. We go, hey, I'm going to let this define me. I'm going to let this be who I am. Everybody knows that I'm going to be, hey, look, the sun is up longer. I'm in a happier place. Okay. So, for the like I said before, I get miserable in the wintertime. I've embraced it. I'm okay with it. God's not. It seems like a small thing on the surface, and maybe it is, but you know what? I'm okay with being rebellious. I'm okay with the filth that lives in my life. I'm okay with getting up out of bed and clicking on the TV, and I'm okay with listening to things, and I'm okay with seeing things that have no point or place in my life because, hey, you know what? It just—it It is who I am. Oh, you wretched, disgusting, woeful person. I told you, sometimes I feel like I'm a fraud. Because I have to look at this passage and I have to go, when was the last time I looked in the mirror and said, what a wretched, disgusting person. I'm fighting with my wife. That's not that big of a deal, right? Everybody fights with your wife. Who didn't fight with their wife this week? Raise your hand. Teddy. Amen, man. Right? It doesn't matter. It says, don't be a knucklehead. You're wretched. Recognize that. I'm going to ask you to flip next. So that's Paul's problem. Paul's problem is recognizing the wretchedness. I have this law in the inner man, but my members fight against it. Recognize your wretchedness. That's our the first problem. First first step in overcoming this. Recognize our wretchedness. Here's what David writes in Psalm chapter 51 verses 1 through 6. Most of you are probably familiar with Uh, What has taken place before David writes this psalm? If you have a Bible that has titles, it even tells you, David ran into a young lady named Bathsheba. Yeah, seriously. He's walking around, sees a young lady in the backyard, and he goes, I'm thinking about something. His thought led to action, led to sin, led to death. Physical and spiritual. Spiritual. How many people died because of David's stupidity? Well, you can at least say Uriah, right? Uriah dies. How many people in that battle that David said, listen, when the battle gets thick, you guys retreat, leave Uriah by himself. You don't think anybody died in the process of retreating? You don't think that David put these people in a position of peril because he had to cover his sin? You're not the only one impacted by your sin. David's number one soldier, dead. Guess what else happens? That poor baby. But sin only impacts me. You're wrong. You're wrong. This is what David says. David says, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. This way it says against you, God, against you, you and only you have I sinned. You know, when was the last time we looked at our sin, regardless of how big or small it was? I was angry with my wife. I was yelling at my kids. I was doing A, B, and C. But you know what, God? It's not about what I did to Mr. Danella. It's not about what I did to Teddy. God, I sinned against you. God, you are the righteous judge. Remember those attributes of God, that holiness, that righteousness, that requirement for justice? I sinned against Teddy. I offended him. I did something I shouldn't have done. And man, I'm sorry. But ultimately, God, I am sorry. Because of that, I cannot have a spiritual relationship with you. I cannot be empowered by your spirit to overcome this the more I give in to it because I'm wretched. Recognize our wretchedness. This is David's desire. David says, I have sinned against you. When was the last time we stopped and said, you know what, God? I sinned against you. You are holy. You are righteous. You have set me apart for a purpose, and God, I have refused to do it. I have sinned against you. I've done what's evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. This is amazing to me because David recognizes and says, you know what? You could just destroy me and strike me dead right now and it would totally be fine. And you know what else, God? I deserve it. I absolutely deserve it. He said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me known your wisdom. Hey, I want to overcome sin. Hey, build this psalm into your prayer life. God, I've sinned against you. Fill me with your wisdom. And then, if you read the rest of the psalm, he goes through this purification process. Hey, that's us too. We got to go through this purification process. Recognizing our wretchedness, understanding, building this prayer into our life. God, this is a right focus. This is a right understanding of what sin is. This is the right understanding of the impact it has on our life. And this is the right way to deal with it. We don't just cover it up and say it's totally okay. It's not a big deal. Like It just is what it is, man. It makes me cool. It makes you stupid. It makes you a wretch. That's what Paul said. Last verse as we close. You guys are familiar, I'm assuming with Daniel... We're not going to read the whole verse. I put the whole one up there, but we just need the first part of it. We're not going to take it out of context. We're just going to read it. We're going to take it for what it is. We're going to figure out how to apply it to our life. This is Daniel. They're taken out of. Uh, they're taken into exile. You know, they're put before the king. They're being fed all the meat and this and that. And David sa- Daniel says this. Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food, wine, blah blah blah. blah. David made up his mind that he would not defile himself. Does anybody have the King James in here? No? Um, Here's what I like about the King James when it says this. But Daniel purposed in his heart, in his innermost being, and who he was he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Do you know what that means? That means David was willing to, David, Daniel was willing to be totally accountable to God. Not only that, he had some friends that he hung out with. Those became his accountability partners too. He had built things into his life and he honored those commitments. Remember later on, we're only going to pray to you, but Daniel's praying in his room. What's going on? He stayed faithful. He purposed, he decided, he made up his mind, and he honored it. If you go further on into Daniel, it talks about pretty much everyone fell away. They all went the way of, of the, the, the captive, uh, the, 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 into captivity. They all started worshiping the other gods. And David's heart, or, I keep saying it. Daniel's heart is broken. And he's poured out and he says, listen, everybody's turned their back on you, God, but I will stay faithful. This is character. This is his plan to purpose. You know, that looks differently for all of us. And I, I told the kids this on Wednesday night, you know, if you can't control what you're looking at on your phones, maybe put a little password in there that causes you to think of something that changes your mind. I, I, the, the, the specific uh, location slips my mind, but in Proverbs, there's an awesome Proverbs that says, A man without boundaries is like a city without walls. Wow. You know, Maybe just putting that into your phone every time you bring up a browser, maybe that's your new internet password. I don't know. Whatever it is. Maybe when you're going out with your friends and they're like, hey, have a drink. Hey, do this. Hey, how about this? Or you're alone with your girlfriend. Hey, what about this? Hey, ooh, hey. A man without boundaries is like a city without walls. And guess what? You will be destroyed. It will happen. Will you purpose in your heart recognize be prayerful turn away from it and purpose i had two kids that got a little bit of a fight this week and then one kid came up at the end of the school on friday he's in tears he thought he's gonna get in trouble he might i don't know we'll see what happens tuesday <clears throat> but he said oh, so what well, so what happened well, he pushed me and i hit him back and this happened uh, okay okay so what's gonna happen next time because there's oh, there's gonna be a next time there's sixth graders they're going to push each other in the hallway. They're going to go too far. Someone's going to get their feelings hurt, and they're going to have a fight. So his, his mother said to him, well, what could you do differently in the future? What should you do differently in the future? And I said to him, yeah, that's a good question. What should you do different next time? What could you do different? I could tell the teacher. I could do this. I could walk away. I said, let me ask you another question. What will you do differently next time? We know the shoulds. We know the woulds. We know the coulds. What will you do? This is what Paul said. My willingness is there, but by doing this kind of sucks today. Am I allowed to say that? My wife's not. I'll ask her later. She'll tell me, don't say things like that at the (laughs) thing. It's the truth. Your willingness, where is your doing this? Will you purpose in your heart to be different? Will you recognize what sin truly is? If you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know what, this is all kind of new to me. I still want to, you know, I want to learn a little bit more. Like, how, how about this relationship? How is this impacted? Come talk to me. Start today. That relationship with God. Rebuild it, like David said. Only against you, God, have I sinned. Purify me. Rebuild me. Restore me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, I just pray that um, as we uh, just leave here, uh, Lord, that you would just put in our hearts to realize that we are our own worst enemy. That sin is just so rampant in our lives, even on small scales. I think of those verses in Romans, even running small little errands for sin in our life. Unrepentant hearts, anger issues, rebellion, silly little things that Keep us from truly, fully experiencing who you are. Lord, help us to realize our condition. Help us to be able to look and say, look, I, I'm wretched and I need to get some things cleared up and taken care of in my life. Lord, realizing that you are the supreme authority in our life or that your requirement for justice, it, 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 those little things that we do are still sins against you, Father, Lord, help us to purpose. Help us to build that determination into our lives, into our hearts, that we will seek to serve and to commit to following you, God. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning who's wrestling with something, whether it's it's being uh, just a rebuilt into their spiritual walk that they would come talk to me or to Derek or to someone else here, Lord, that we could spend some time praying with them and showing them through scripture what it means to, to be reunited in spirit with you, how to get that filth kind of cut out of our life and what to do moving forward. And if there's someone here this morning who is wrestling with the idea of coming to trust you and saying, you know what? I recognize that there's a whole lot of stuff in me that needs to go. This is where it starts. Lord, you have empowered us. You have given us the freedom. You have brought us up into doing Your will. We'll we ask these things in Your name. Amen. All right, thank you for joining us this morning. I greatly appreciate it. I was almost done at 1130, but it was close enough.